0: It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, and for Susan Littlefield, she'll be back in the office tomorrow. Today, we're talking the trade with Sue Martin of Ag and Investment. Sue, thanks for being on with us today. As we take a look at our closing grains, a strong day for corn and soybeans, but they let wheat behind. So what was kind of the rally here behind beans? Well, I
1: think the rally was the, the very... And even in corn, the variability in both crops, um, they're just not as good as you would think, and they're all, the yields are just all over the map. Plus, there is also a forecast of uh, rain coming in, um, oh, it's around October 31st to November 5th, and that would be kind of supporting corn. Uh, but in the meantime, the uh, progress ability for getting winter wheat planted it has increased or improved and so that weighed on wheat and then the dollar being stronger weighed on wheat. But also there's a seasonality where you buy, and I want to say it's like either 14 out of 15 years or 15 out of 15 years, but you um, uh, buy December or may corn and you sell may wheat. And uh and you hold it right on in through December. And um that spread certainly uh kicked into high gear today.
0: Sue, so you talk about the US to beat its highs that we saw last week and those were two months highs on it. How much higher can this US dollar go where it seems to be gaining strength?
1: Well, when I look at the daily chart on the like for example, even on the index futures, um it looks to me like we're forming a head and shoulders bottom. And if that's the case, that would project you back up around ninety nine. So this dollar could surprise us, and and we have to look at what's going on. You know, yes, interest rates are trying to increase, but we've got um, you know the lowest unemploy or yeah the lowest unemployment since uh, I want to say December of nineteen sixty nine. We have um, you know job. Wages going up, the highest they've been, and I forget how many years. And you know, we've got. It looks like our economy is really percolating. The only part of the economy that's not percolating is agriculture, and that's kind of where we were back in the mid '80s. Um, but in the meantime, you know, the the uh, dollar is getting strength off of all the the positivity of news that our country is gaining, and that's also starting to attract. Money coming from other countries, uh, from, you know, emerging economies and from China. We're seeing money leave and those countries and start coming to the U.S. Will they be buying stocks? They probably will go into some stocks, but I'm sure they'll be extremely particular on which ones they go into. But that is supporting our currency as well. A
0: lot of people, when you talk about the U.S. dollar, they associate a lot lot of that with U.S. exports as well. And the USDA reporting today 42.2 million bushels of soybeans bound for export. Is that a good number, and is it trying to keep pace even with China out of the market?
1: Well, it really, um, it's okay, but it's nothing special, um, you know, when you look at what usually the pace would be on a typical time of the year. Um, in fact, beams making it to the Gulf are very slow this year. And I think part of that is the higher water levels uh, for barge traffic, but also, you know, we've had that Hurricane Michael come in. I think that's why our export sales last week were so slow and or down. But, uh, Hurricane Michael, uh, when he came into the Gulf, now there's another tropical storm that may turn into a hurricane that could also come into the Gulf. This one will be just a little bit further west and possibly hit into New Orleans. So I think that's having an impact too, but definitely the lateness of our harvest. Iowa, the latest on record. And, um, you know, for soybeans. And so the lateness of the harvest but even late in corn, we're just running behind. So we'll see this afternoon as to what the USDA comes out with as for uh, harvest progress. You know, many are looking for us to have crossed the 50% barrier, around fifty two, fifty three. It's not out yet, but um, I'm thinking it's going to be a little under 50% for the beans. Uh, mainly because we had rain through Iowa, for example, and into Minnesota uh, last week on Thursday night, Friday morning. That held us out well into um, uh, Saturday before we could go again. And so I think that slowed up some of the progress there. We were all the way down to Des Moines and back, and we saw one combine in the field. So, you know, but then on Sunday, they were all going very aggressive.
0: Sue, for producers that are looking at this market landscape right now. Are there some things that they need to be taking advantage of in their marketing strategy, or is it more kind of a hold and wait time until we get out of harvest?
1: Well, I think when it comes to soybeans, it's more of a hold and wait. You know, the the basis is so horrible, and um, depending on if you have damage or not, then that adds to it. Um, the market is trying to give us has tried to give us a little bit of a lift. Um, but I think I would probably try to hold on to the beans. My one fear for beans is that South American uh, planting is going very aggressive and very quickly. It's, they're further ahead than they normally would be at this time of the year. Uh, Ag Rural estimated that 34% of Brazil's soybean crop is planted, and that compares to 20% for the same period a year ago. Early in is early out. And we hear that uh, China has basically, um, it's estimated that they have around 80% of their needs uh, at the ports in uh, for November, 40% is where they are booked for December, and then January falls back to maybe 15% or something like that. But by the time you're getting into January, these earlier planted beans are going to probably be about ready to be coming out. And so... Barring what the weather does, it appears that, you know, China's gonna get beans out of Brazil a lot quicker than they normally would.
0: Again, we're talking with Sue Martin of Ag and Investment. We've talked grains. We still have livestock to go. Stay tuned to the Fond Nell Final Bell on the Rural Radio. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. We're talking with Sue Martin of Ag and Investment. Sue, we talked a lot of grains and marketing strategy in our first segment. Now let's go over to one that really had a whale of a day. That is livestock, live cattle, feeder cattle, lean hogs, all with triple-digit gains on certain months. What do you see as some of the contributing factors here behind this rally across the board?
1: Well, first off, technically the market was getting overdone on our daily data, It was getting overdone. However, our weekly data that we use, we have three indicators we really like. Those three are very negative formed, I would say, or implying that the rally will be a selling opportunity for a bit. But for now, the daily is leaned very overdone on the sell-off that we had gotten, especially in feeder cattle. But then the cattle on feed report came out, and it was expected to be friendly, but it was even more friendly than what it was expected. You know, when you had on feed 105.4% down 1% from what everybody was thinking, the biggie was the placements number at 95.4%, which was down from the 100.1% estimate that, you know, the average guest. We looked at the weight breakdowns, and boy, you look at the the lightweights is what really gained the um, numbers in those percentages of placements. So... You know, the bottom line is um, we're at a time here where the cash should try to catch a little bit. The product started last week. It, it was $5 higher than the previous week. And, of course, it's expected it should be stronger again this week. Maybe we'll be up $3, maybe 4 but we should be firmer. And, of course, the, for the choice, um, the first area of really stiff resistance will be around 215 so that should be the tough area. And ribs alone last week gained $14. So, you know, the product was expected to turn, and it did, and it's kind of seasonal that it would. Now the cash prices should try to turn, and, of course, uh, we suspect they will do that this week. Uh, we're hearing already on a Monday packers bidding one eleven fifty, but the feedlots aren't willing to take it. They want at least 112 That's kind of where they ended up last week wanting but didn't get it so now we'll see what happens is the packer going to give in or we came in with a, a show list that isn't much bigger than last week's so we'll see what happens but um, I think that when we look at the market here the seasonal time of the year cash cattle prices do tend to make a bottom and try to lift as they go towards thanksgiving but ultimately, our, our view is that this cattle market will drop into December. Stick a low, and then we'll see what we're made of after we roll the year over.
0: Take a look over at the lean hogs, Sue. We see that really good, solid move higher. Now, typically, if cattle make a move, they want to spread and push back against hogs. But hogs came up with them. Is this due to that latest case of African swine fever they found in China?
1: Yeah, I think it is. That and I think uh, the demand for pork is just so good. You go in the grocery store and they're running lots of specials on pork. And, of course, October is pork month. But um, I do think that uh, the exports will stay good on pork. Um, domestic consumption for beef and pork are good. So I could see where the hog market did come up, especially in the face of of a much lower Um, placements number in cattle. It just kind of rubbed off into everything. But that African swine fever situation in China is, in my opinion, is a really big thing. And I think as we go down the road and we roll the year over, we're going to see just how big of an importance it really is on U.S. agriculture. Say they buy pork from other countries. Fine. If they get it from other countries, because we're going to have to turn around and take care of everyone else that those countries would take care of. So we're going to be exporting. And um, I think uh, China will look to us. They like U.S. meat. Uh, but they're also looking at Brazilian uh, products. Except Brazil also had a regular case of African swine fever here, oh, golly, I want to say two or three weeks ago. But it was uh ways away. It was on the coast. and But you know, away from where their, you know, pork and beef production really is. Uh, Mato Grosso's a big producer. So I think bottom line is that um, when we look at what they were, you know, at that, and nobody paid, it, it seemed like Brazil skirted that one. Japan did not. They had a regular case, and China banned imports, so... You know, and it was interesting because just recently we had a situation in Atlanta in the airport where someone tried to come in, had a roasted pig's head along with bacon in in jars, but a roasted pig head in a luggage and a dog sniffed it out. And thank goodness because you never know what that could bring in because that African swine fever does stick even on processed meat.
0: Sue, we've covered a lot of ground today in a lot of areas of the markets. For folks that want to follow up with you, they want to talk strategy, what is the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Well, our number is one 800 and we realize everybody's just going great guns trying to get those crops in, and we don't blame them. We just say be safe.
0: And again, Sue Martin of Ag and Investment talking the trade here on the Fontenelle Final Belt.